This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is the Talking Dead podcast number 246, recorded on Monday, December the 21st, 2015. It's, uh, what is it, four days before Christmas? And oh my God, yeah, it's uh, coming up on Christmas pretty darn quick. Hope you've done all your Christmas shopping, Jason, and gotten ready for it. Oh yeah, I'm all set. Hold on, hold on one second. What's the problem? Jason appears to be talking to someone off microphone. Yes, I was uh, talking to my wife, telling her where the money was for the uh, newspaper collection girl that comes by every <laughs> once in a while. Well, that's very important to be done right now. Does does the newspaper collection girl usually come by at 7 o'clock on a Monday evening? She does, yeah. Oh, well then, all right. Then it is important. Yeah. <laughs> okay, very good. Well, now that that is out of the way, we can get back into our podcast. So, uh, yeah, four days before Christmas. That's not going to stop us from recording a big podcast, though. Half no, the, not uh, really. Half the country is on vacation already, I think. Not me, unfortunately. I have to work tomorrow. <laughs> not me. But, yeah. you know, that's the way it goes. Anyways, we are here. We are going to talk about The Walking Dead a whole bunch, and then we're going to get into a special movie review at the end. And I probably don't even have to say what the movie is for people to know, but... Uh, well, it's that Alvin and the Chipmunks movie that just came out. The, that's all the, all the buzz. The Chipwreck. That's right. Uh, boy, would that be... The worst thing ever. <laughs> I, I don't can, know. can only if imagine. If they made a Garfield sequel, maybe. Yeah, I've seen the other Alvin and the Chipmunks movies. Not good. I have not. Anyhow, so we are going to talk about The Walking Dead. We're going to do some news. We're going to do some listener feedback. And we are going to do a kind of a look ahead at what we might think might be coming up in the second half of season six. So I need to say this right now. And this is going to blanket the entire episode. This podcast is going to be spoilery. We're going to spoil the shit out of everything. We are going to spoil a number of things, most notably the Walking Dead comic, because we're going to look at the comic or, or look back at what we know from the comic and talk about how we think that's going to influence the back half of season six of the TV show. So I can't really say that the we're going to spoil the TV show because everything we are saying will be purely speculation. However, it is speculation based on what we know from the comic, and what we talk about from the comic is definitely spoilery for the comic. Yes. So, blanket warning that this episode of the podcast is going to contain spoilers for the Walking Dead comic. If that is not your thing, I suggest you, well, honestly, tune out. We're going to do some news first, so you could probably listen to that because it's not too spoilery. And I'll probably warn everyone again as we get deeper into this podcast. And then at the end, we are going to talk about Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Yeah. And so we're gonna. I'm gonna spoil absolutely everything. Like we're gonna talk about the Force Awakens. If you haven't seen Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, I'm gonna spoil that. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna spoil Empire Strikes Back. I'm gonna spoil <laughs> Return of the Jedi. Uh, the first three movies, which shall go unnamed, I might even spoil those. Well, it's hard to spoil something that doesn't exist. It, that's true. So, let's, But I'm going to try. Okay, you're going to try. Okay, well, we are going to talk about Star Wars at the end of this podcast. 
And as Jason said, he's going to spoil everything. So I'm going to spoil the books. We'll give you. I'm going to spoil if there, <laughs> there's a, there, there was a role playing game uh, about Star Wars. I'm going to spoil that. Okay, so be warned, everyone. We'll remind you again before we start our Star Wars discussion. But just be warned, this is going to be a really spoilery episode of the podcast. So I hope you stick with us. But I totally understand if you don't. And having said that, let's move on into the first segment. The Walking Dead News. All right. Hopefully everyone isn't here just to hear our, our Star Wars review because we do have a lot of Walking Dead stuff to get through first. <laughs> well, you know, it isn't a Star Wars podcast. No. Although that would be cool. That would be cool. I'm sure there are many Star Wars podcasts out there. Um, and I thought about maybe doing the Star Wars off the top, but... No, I think we need to stick to yeah. what we're here for first and foremost, and then get into that. Because if someone doesn't want to hear that, it's easier to tune out something that's at the end, or if they're just not interested, then they can turn it off. So Yeah, and if we spoil something that you don't like, you can always just rage quit uh, the, <laughs> the podcast, this particular episode, and uh, you'd still get the news. And you would still get the news, exactly. And then if you rage quit, after you've had a couple of days to think about it and settle down, you can probably rage rejoin, or maybe... Yes. Uh, What's the opposite of rage? Rage, rage forgive. Rage. It's, it's rage forgive is what, what, what you do. Nice. Rage You're so forgive. mad you forgive somebody. And you come and you come back. So anyways, yeah. Walking Dead news. Um, so Scott Gimple, you know him. He's the showrunner. Yep. He, he was interviewed by Deadline, and he just had this to say about the mid-season premiere. He said, oh, Lordy, it's taking us to, I can only speak in adjectives, really, without giving things away. It's taking us to a closed quarters situation that is both emotionally explosive and terrifying in as much as people are closed in with an army of walkers. It's a horrific and unique type of claustrophobia. Wow. <laughs> so I don't know what that means, but uh, the whole article that Deadline wrote was pretty much based on the fact that Scott Gimple used the word claustrophobia. <laughs> so, I mean, we left our characters surrounded by zombies, walking through them with the gormiflage on, and that could be kind of claustrophobic, like you're in a room of zombies and it's a small space and you don't know what to do and you can't get out. Um, or maybe he's talking about closed-minded thinking, something like that. I don't know. Or they're going into the sewers to uh, to use those tunnels to escape. Oh, that's true, too. Yeah. Those humongous by some people's uh, view, and tiny by other sewers. <laughs> yes, those are the ones. Those are the ones. So uh, I just thought I'd, I'd lead off with that because, I mean, there hasn't been too much discussion of what's coming up in the uh, back half of the season, but we're going to get into it a little bit uh, later on in the episode. Um, so The Walking Dead next here is going to be premiering in Spanish. Spanish. They are actually Not dubbed. just in Spanish, though. Uh, well, it's probably aired in other languages around the world. No, I, I no, but I mean, they're not just going. They're not just switching to Spanish. Uh, no, no, they're not. Okay, just, they're good because I don't speak Spanish. No, neither do I very well. So they're still doing English, but NBC Universo will be premiering The Walking Dead dubbed in Spanish on January twentieth at ten p.m. Eastern, nine Central, and then subsequent airings of new episodes will air weekly on Wednesdays at ten. So. Um, if you've been dying to watch The Walking Dead in Spanish, now is your chance. I'm I'm kind of tempted to tell you the truth, just to see what it's like. Yeah, <laughs> I think that might be fun. I might, you know, it might be a good opportunity to learn Spanish. Actually, it might be if you really want to do that. You'll you'll learn how to say um, things like 
Walker. Walker. And <laughs> oh my God, don't get bit. And uh, look out. How, Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. How dare you sleep with my wife? No, I don't think yep. he ever says that. <laughs> no. Um, but that's a good uh, phrase to learn in, in Spanish. Oh, yeah. It they, you know, is. it's one of those things a tourist would need to learn if they. Uh, you know, if they needed to learn Spanish. Went How to dare a, you sleep with my wife? Where's a, the nearest bathroom? <laughs> that kind of thing. When you're in a Spanish-speaking country, that's the kind of thing you worry about. Exactly. All right. Anyways, the episodes will be available on demand as well as on the NBC Universal website and app. So it sounds like there'll be lots of different ways to watch them. Cool. And that's coming January 20th at 10 p.m. All right, uh, moving right along. So the next item here is the kind of news item that I don't normally include in the Walking Dead news segment of our show. Uh, but we have talked about this sort of thing before, so I thought I'd throw it out there. Do you remember, Jason, when we talked about things such as uh, Andrew Lincoln walking around with no beard, and we sort of indicated, oh my gosh, he has no beard in real life, that means he must have shaved his beard on the show, yep. or Herschel with his like long hair and his long beard, and if he shows up in public without that, you kind of know, oh my gosh, Herschel's going to die? Because it's, it's the haircut spoiler principle. That's right. If the hair changes, that means that something has changed on the show and or the character's dead and they no longer have to main their character hairstyle. Right. Well, Lauren Cohan has shown up in public with a very different haircut. Oh, my. Yeah. She, is it trendy? It's, it's trendy. I'd say it is. It's kind of a short pixie cut. Oh, okay. Well, that's no problem. If you that's know what just, that is. That's just cut your hair. Yes, I do know what that is. But if she had shaved her head... Yeah. Or even the pixie cut, I can believe that that could happen within the show. Well, that's my point. But what's happening, though, our fans, of course, are freaking out. They're looking at Lauren Cohan and going, oh, my God, she shaved her hair. This must mean she's been killed off because why would she cut her hair if she's still on the show? They don't change hairstyles. And I think what I just want to do here is tell everyone to relax a little bit because, number one, uh, characters can change hairstyles on the show. Like, it just happens, right? Like, look at mm-hmm. look at Daryl. His hair has done nothing but grow longer. Now, I know that's different because hair is just going to grow. Shane shaved his head. Shane shaved his head on screen on the show. Yeah. Uh, Carol's hair started really short and has grown longer. So it wouldn't be the first time that they've just let hair grow out a little bit. Now, I realize that growing out is slightly more realistic because... You know, in the zombie apocalypse, you're probably not worried about getting a haircut too often. I would, I would, I would uh, beg to differ. You know, you don't want to grow your hair too long. I think Carl's making a very strategic or at least a tactical mistake because mm-hmm. you grow your hair out. Uh, that's a lot to grab onto by zombies. That's you true. You want your hair nice, and you want to you want to shave that sucker right down to the wood. You got nothing to grab onto. Yeah, that's a really good point. They went through that in the Telltale game too. They had uh, uh, Clementine cut her hair. Yeah. Because it was too long and bushy before. Um, but Lauren Cohan has cut her hair. And the, the other thing, though, is I want to say that this is not um, something – I mean, this is kind of something from the comic. I believe later on in the comic, um, Maggie cuts her hair in the comics. So, and it's it might actually be right around this time frame in the comics. So um, it's not outside the realm of possibility that what Lauren Cohan has done here – is actually within character, and she's just cut her hair, and Maggie's going to have shorter hair on the show now. Yeah. I mean, I cut my hair without quitting my job. 
right? <laughs> you do every it, time, you almost. Do <laughs> almost. There was yeah. that one time where you cut your hair and had to quit your job, but <laughs> the, yeah. But yeah, usually I cut my hair without quitting my job. So why can't actors do it too? That's when you were a hair model. Yes, I was a hair model. I had long, luscious, uh, you know, auburn, wavy, curly hair that down to my shoulders. It was uh, it was a glorious time. It was. I had long hair in high school too. But you know what's going to happen now, Jason? Uh, no. Yes, you do. People are going to want me to post pictures of us from high school with long hair. <laughs> uh, I'd have to, man, I'd have to find a picture with me with long hair. Oh, I have one. I have a picture of me with long hair. I'd I will, have, uh, I'll would, scan it in for you. Yeah, I'd have to dig one up too. I haven't seen a picture of I have of one me. of you with long hair. Well, then, I think. all right then. What, Wait what a minute. You, when you didn't no, know me. No, I didn't. I, no, I've seen one and either, why would I have it? I don't have it. I don't you know. Have Are it. you secretly collecting photos of me? I don't think so. I remember seeing a picture of you with long hair. Oh, yeah. You probably have. But, I mean, I cut my hair after first year university. So that was nearly 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think we knew each other then. No. We no. Uh, no. It does. Until like 2002 or 2003. It's, it, I mean, it feels like forever. But oh, yeah. It, it feels like, <laughs> Jesus, soul, man, it's been such a long time. But it wasn't actually that long. It's never going to end, too. No. Not at this rate. No. Um. Anyhow, uh, so we used to have long hair, and we didn't have to quit our jobs. So as you said, Lauren Cohan can cut her hair and not quit her job. <laughs> we hope. Right. <laughs> we hope. Uh, so everyone just relax. I think it's going to be fine. Maybe Maggie does die. Maybe not. And But I don't think the hair, in this case, is really an indicator of what's going to happen. Right. All right. Next item, McFarlane. They make the Walking Dead action figures. Well, they are. They've announced series nine of the figures, the TV figures that are coming out in February, and they are pretty cool looking. I gotta admit. There's Beth, Daryl, T Dog, Dale, Michonne, and the Water Walker. And the Water Walker is the one who bites Bob. Remember the one who bites Bob in that flooded uh, basement yep. that they get yep. stuck in. So there's that guy, and Michonne is Constable Michonne, so she's got her, like, Alexandria police outfit on. Nice. Beth is dressed up in the Beth outfit, kind of that yellow uh, top with a sweater over it, jeans, and and uh, high-ish boots, like shin-high boots. Um, she looks pretty cool. Dale, it's Dale's death, so it's Dale with his guts ripped out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you know, whatever. And then T-Dog is wearing um, the uh, vest. What do you call those things? The riot gear vest? Yep. So he's, a vest works. Yeah, he's got that. Or jacket or breastplate? Like a breastplate, yeah. what he, The thing he was wearing though, back at the prison. Well, he didn't make it past the prison, so that's it. And he's got a big pair of uh, big clippers, which are cool. And then Daryl is grave digging Daryl. <laughs> nice. So he's got his bandana over his face and he comes with a little cross and he's got a shovel and stuff like that. I think these are some of the best looking action figures they've put out. Um, especially the uh, the Beth one, actually, and the Daryl one. I think they really look really good. Even the Michonne is good, too. Um, it's hard to screw up the zombie because they're zombies and you can you know make them look as close to the zombie as you can. Um, but those other three are perfect. The, the, uh, the one, the Dale one is kind of weird because it's dead Dale. <laughs> so he's <laughs> in, even in the picture, they've got him like lying down on his back with his guts spilling out. Um, uh, you know, if you're actually going to play with these, I guess you need 
death scene character action figures. Oh yeah, there's a lot of death scenes. Um, and uh, and the T Dog one to me is probably the the weakest. Uh, but you know, even it's not so bad. So, anyways, if you're a collector of action figures and you're you know you're been you've been waiting for the next round, it comes out in February. I must admit, I haven't bought any of the Walking Dead action figures in a while, but there's a couple here that I like a lot. So we'll it's have to see. Uh, it's been far too long for me. I have the original set actually still in box. So me too. Maybe not I in the box though. You took them well, out. They're in a box, but they're not in the original boxes. Oh, mine are. Mine are in the package. Maybe I should put those up as a set and sell them. Uh, sell them on. Uh, ebay or something like that oh i don't sell them hang on to it man for another 30 years and then sell them yeah now you're thinking there you go um okay so finally telltales the walking dead michonne i remember we had mentioned the i think on our last podcast that one of the things we might do over the hiatus is play that game and talk about it i'm afraid that's not going to happen jason Uh, because it doesn't come out until february well february what uh, I, well, I don't know. They've just said February, but if I had to guess, I would say maybe around the same time as the show comes back on February 14th. So if it comes out, if the game comes out on February 12th, we got two whole days. We got two whole days to play it and, and do a podcast about it. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's coming out in three episodes. So only the first one will be out in February and it will, just in case anyone f- has forgotten, this, uh, game is going to tell the story of where Michonne has been during her absence from the comic, there was like a 15 episode stretch where she just wasn't in it. And then all of a sudden she showed up again and she came on a boat from somewhere. So um, they're going to do a comic or a video game version of that, where she has been. So it could be really cool. And I think the uh, fact that it's going to be all about Michonne could make it really fun to play. Cause you know, there's going to be some sword play and you know, Michonne kicks a lot of ass. So that yeah. could be pretty fun. Um, Samira Wiley from Orange is the New Black will do the voice for Michonne. Cool. I haven't watched Orange is the New Black in a long time, so I can't remember which character that is. Um, but either way, I mean, there's a lot of good actors on that show, so that's, that's exciting. And one other point, it's a standalone game, so you don't have to own the other Walking Dead games from Telltale to buy it and play it. So it's not like it's a it's another episode from the Walking Dead series. And if you don't own the original series, you can't get this one. You can buy this one by itself. So that's cool too. I think that will, you know, draw in a lot more uh, uh, players potentially. Right. So I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to that. I think that will be fun. Comes out in February. And and we can do it. Awesome. All right. That's your quick... uh, Got get that's your quick uh, I don't know recap not recap that gets you caught up on the Walking Dead news quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, now you're up to date. Now you are pretty much up to date, and we're gonna do this. Listener feedback. All right, so we do have a bunch of listener feedback related to uh, the first half of season season six mostly, and I I pulled out some stuff here that was just a little bit more general wasn't always about something specific, could have to do with any of the episodes or the first eight in general. Um, but I thought people had, you know, a lot of good things to say still, even now that it's been off and maybe they've had a week or two to think back, think about it and, uh, you know, maybe change their opinion or whatever. So there's some good stuff here. Um, first, an email comes from Fetz in California, but currently working in Toronto. Nice. Sorry. That's unfortunate. 
Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, you went from California to Toronto. That is kind of a bummer, based on the weather, anyways. But Fetz writes, I'm just tired of Morgan's blanketing statement of the word killers. Yes, technically, Rick and crew are killers, but it's asinine to even think that they are on the same level as the governor, the wolves, the termites, etc. They all kill to survive, but the difference is context. I don't believe that our protagonists protagonists have ever killed anyone without provocation. It was always out of self-defense or protecting their loved ones. They never subjected their wrath on anyone that didn't have it coming. I know the show wants to be highbrow and constantly express its morally gray theme, but come on. We know who the real villains are. We know who the heroes are. Stop pretending that they are the same. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I would I would mostly agree with that. I mean, it depends on why you're killing people. If you're killing people just to survive, uh, that's seems like a lesser crime than killing people just to maintain or to grab power. And I know that's a, probably a gray, fuzzy line between the two. But, uh, yeah, I think that, that the good guys are better than the bad guys. Yeah, obviously. And I think the point here is that we kind of get that now, but the show continually rehashes that, that theme. Right. And that's what they're doing with Morgan here, right? Saying he, he refuses to kill anyone and he says everyone's a killer and like we get it. But at the same time, you have to have good guys and you have to have bad guys. It's the eternal struggle of good versus evil. It is. And without that, uh, it's going to be a lot more difficult to make a compelling TV show. So, but I mean, and they don't have to keep hammering that home for us, I think is what Fetz is saying, right? We kind of know yeah. and time to maybe try something else or just leave that theme on the table and be like, everyone knows this is the case. Let's explore it in a different way or explore some other stuff. So, yeah, I, I must, would, I would agree with that. Yeah. And I must admit, I am getting a little, uh, I'm having a little bit of fatigue on the Morgan idea here of him trying to reinforce this idea. So hopefully it all comes to a head somehow and we can move on from it soon. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Fetz. Jeff in St. Louis, Missouri writes, I have a theory about the midseason finale and why it failed. I wonder if AMC was willing to give The Walking Dead two 90-minute episodes for the first half, and it was always assumed that those would be on the premiere and the midseason finale. Now that Into the Badlands airs immediately after The Walking Dead, maybe AMC panicked about the new show's ratings if it suddenly got pushed back a half hour halfway through its season and they decided to nix the 90-minute The Walking Dead finale at the last second. With no alternative, The Walking Dead producers would have to just chop off the last 15 minutes of the finale and add some cutting room floor filler back into another episode. And what we ended up with is a Morgan episode that was obviously 15 minutes too long and a finale that was obviously 15 minutes too short. Let me know what you think. So uh, it's panicky. It's panicky studio, uh, you know, playing with things because they're worried about ratings? Kind of. I mean, the the um, AMC was doing like everything they could to promote into the Badlands, right? They, they, first of all, they moved Talking Dead, AMC's Talking Dead, um, to an hour later after Into the Badlands. So they'd air The Walking Dead, 
immediately air into the badlands and then air talking dead which makes no sense i mean you want a live call-in show to be right after you know the show they're talking about what's the point people have turned off the tv an hour later and they don't they don't they've moved on to something else and then for the finale if you remember they put that little extra scene with uh uh daryl and sasha and abe on the highway 10 minutes into into the badlands instead of dropping it right post credits um for the walking dead so that people would have to sit through the first 10 minutes of badlands before they basically got the end of walking dead the show that they were there to watch originally so amc was really pushing this new show i don't know if the ratings were low i don't know if they had some other reason to worry about it or people just weren't picking up on it but they really wanted to do what they uh, what they could to try and get viewers to stick around and watch it. But what Jeff is saying is that, you know, they um, they decided to drop 15 minutes or the last 15 minutes of the finale late in the game. Like maybe they'd shot an episode that was 90 minutes long or, you know, not 90 minutes, but designed for a 90-minute time slot. But then yeah. AMC said, forget it, we can't do this anymore. And they kind of had to just to just drop it and go with um, something that was designed for 60-minute time slot in, in the end. And that's why it felt like we were missing things because I think one of my complaints is, and I guess Jeff feels the same way, that it did feel like we didn't get what we should have in that episode. So I think it's an interesting theory. Who knows what it AMC is. was really up to, but... Uh, when when he puts it like this, that we ended up with a Morgan episode that was 15 minutes too long and a finale that was 15 minutes too short, that really resonates to me because I felt exactly that way. Yeah, I, I think uh, I sort of feel the same way, but not exactly. Uh, but who knows what the the studios are doing? They're under tremendous pressure to uh, to you know make a lot of money. Yeah, and uh, I, I think studios in general now are uh, afraid to. Uh, to go out on a limb and to uh, to make mistakes, they're uh, they're under so much pressure to make a lot of money now and to consistently make a lot of money that they're making weird decisions. Yeah, like they'll make a they'll make a a superhero movie at the drop of the hat drop of a hat, but uh, you know what movie comes out that isn't part of a franchise or a successful book series? Yeah, not many, <laughs> not many, not many. I went and saw Room when I was in New York. Yeah. And uh I mean that's based on a book too, but man, what a fantastic movie. Uh, they should make a book based on Go to Fuck the Sleep. <laughs> well, that is a book. They should make a movie. I know. Make a book, movie. Did based? I say a book? They yeah. should make a book or make a movie based on that book. <laughs> a short film? A short film. Or it doesn't have to be short. Extend it to ninety minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can they can make a full movie on that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh th- but to your point though, of, of studios being afraid to do things, like I th- I see I see if, if, let's say Jeff's theory is true, and at the last minute they had to cut the finale short. I mean, I see that as a terrible decision. If they're worried about making money, you want the best product on screen that you can deliver. And I just don't feel like cutting it short at the last second in any way is a good idea if you're trying to put something good on TV, because you're just not giving people enough time, or you've given them a certain amount of time to tell the story. They've worked towards that. And then all of a sudden you're like yanking the carpet out from under them and they got to they have to suddenly change what they were doing. So that's a poor decision to begin well, with. Well, yes, based on that criteria, but studios make decisions based on uh on uh, on 
basically crap that we have no idea, right? The internal yeah. political crap. It's like, oh, well, uh, you know, I'm the new boss and the old boss, and that's all political bullshit that gets uh, mixed in there. And it's like, well, no, we can't do a 90-minute episode here because uh, it was originally greenlit by uh, Jimmy S'mores and... Uh, you know, uh, he got caught cheating on his wife, so we can't have him in that position anymore. And because of that, we have to basically axe everything he's ever done, including that 90-minute decision. Yeah. I mean, who who knows? But that happens all the time. When someone new comes in, they want to put their own stamp on something, right? And yeah. They make changes that are not necessarily in the best interest of everyone else. So Right. Or, or they get fired. Like the guy who greenlit uh, the pilot of Lost— uh, he, the head of the studio, he got canned. It was just too much money. You can't buy a plane and then chop it up and put it on a beach in Hawaii. What are you, crazy? To this day, that's I believe that's still the most expensive pilot ever produced. Yeah. And you're right. He got fired for okaying that. And look what lost. It was a huge, mega international hit. And look what they did to uh, Firefly, for crying out loud. Well, Fox they're... butchered that sh- that show as best they could. It still turned out okay, but not if you watched it on TV. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that was just a, that was a total cluster F right there. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Jeff. That was a good one. Next, we have a call from Rich in Minneapolis. Almost said Minnesota. Minneapolis. Hi, guys. It's Rich from Minneapolis. And I just got to say, I have loved this entire season. And I've heard you guys trash episode after episode. And that's okay. That's your opinion. But, man, I have never been bored this entire season. And this finale, well, <laughs> I just got a couple of things. Deanna, how come people get bit on this show and they don't know when they get bit? You know, I get a splinter in my finger and I know immediately I got a splinter in my finger. Just wondering. And I've got to talk about Jesse's kids. Both of them. Both of them. Portrait Dick Juniors. I don't understand why those two kids can't get anything right. And have being a comic book reader, I pretty much know what's going to happen at the season opener, and uh, I'm just not looking forward to it. Anyway, love the show. Love the way it goes. Love you guys. Have a good one. Right on. Thank you, Rich. The thing about Jesse's kids is they don't do anything right because they've never had to. They've been so sheltered in Alexandria for so long They've never had any adversity. So now when they suddenly do, they're like, what do we do? You know, we pee our pants and run away. Well, that's or, what you're supposed to do. Or or <laughs> learn how to shoot a gun and try to shoot your, your new friend while, in the he's, back of the head. while he's not looking in the back of the head. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, they have been uh, relatively sheltered, you know, figuratively and literally. Uh, so they don't know how to survive properly. And they're pretty much morons. And yeah, uh, their fate is pretty much sealed yeah i think we'll get into that in a little bit we will um and then the other point that rich made was uh how come people don't know when they've gotten bitten yeah i guess deanna falls down she lands on a saw blade while she's down there uh, a zombie takes a bite out of her leg or her side um you'd think you would know but maybe I not. Don't, I don't. Maybe not. I in... don't. I have to. I have to monitor myself for injuries. I found an injury the other day. I scraped up my hand. I have no idea how I got it. <laughs> I've had. Uh, I went when I was dating my my now wife. I went to her house, 
and uh, it was in the middle of the summer, and I was in her house, and she looked down uh, at my feet, and she said, "What? The, what's that? And I looked down, and I thought I had jam all over my foot. <laughs> As it turns out, I had been bleeding for hours. My foot, I had injured my ankle, and I had I bled all over her floor, all over the place. I had I don't even really know how I had injured myself. I had I thought it was jam, like congealed jam. I went up and <sighs> in into the bathtub. I washed it all off. Eventually, found the cut. I'm like, holy crap! I injured myself. I I it's weird, but I can get hurt and not know it. That is sort of weird. Like, number one, if it was that long, why didn't it just stop bleeding? Your body is supposed to well, close it, up wounds. It did, but it, it uh, that's why it would look like jam. It was all congealed and okay. stuff, but it was just like, uh, it was just, there was, there was blood all over my foot, and it got over <laughs> all over her floor. I just got jam on my legs. You know, I usually put it on my legs. When I was I confused. Make... I don't know how I got jam. <laughs> oh, then there was one time I uh, fell off, I went head over heels uh, off my bike and into a garbage can and came up with a peanut butter and jam sandwich stuck to my helmet. That happened. Anyway, I am one of those people that get hurt and not know it for a while. The irony like, is it was actually a peanut butter and blood sandwich that time. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll discover injuries that are old. Like, All right. I'll have a, uh, like a cut or a scrape or something that's been around for obviously hours and or days, and I don't notice it for a long time. You don't think that if you're bit by a zombie, you're, you're not going to know? Like you said, there's a lot going on. She got stabbed with a saw blade. If yeah. there's other stuff going on, uh, I perfectly uh, am able to conceive of uh, getting bitten by a zombie and not knowing it. Okay. Like, oh, yeah, just it just injuries for me fall into below conscious acknowledgement sometimes. I wonder what level of injury you need to have to to realize it's happened. I don't know. Yeah, and I just I, I'm afraid to think of what kind of pain I would be in, uh, you know, just on a general level, <laughs> if I could feel everything that hurts. <laughs> Good God, you're probably walking around in more pain than the average person. You got no idea. Yeah, if, when I go to the dentist and get my teeth cleaned, I have the uh, uh, the, the hygienist constantly apologizes for uh, hurting me, and I'm like, no, I don't feel it. Like it doesn't hurt. Huh. Well, so. I, I my the dentist doesn't really hurt me either, but it's. Not a fun experience going to the dentist, except yeah, that my I feel hy- pressure and that's about it. My hygienist, I really like, and uh, I don't mind going to see her every six months. Yeah, very I'll, exciting. I'll leave it at that. I had my uh, I had my wisdom teeth out. I had all four wisdom teeth out. They were coming in at ninety degrees to the rest of my teeth. They had to the one of them. They had to break the tooth in half and pull it out in chunks. I've had that done. All right. When uh, afterwards they gave me this nice bottle of Percocet and said, uh, take these, you're going to be in a lot of pain for a while. Uh, that day I decided not to take the Percocet just to see how much pain I would be in so that I could gauge, uh, you know, how much Percocet to take. I ended up not taking a single one. Because it just didn't hurt. It just did not hurt. You have nerve problems, man. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it borders on, on a disorder. I'm absolutely sure of it. I have either a very high threshold for pain or my brain just does not care. All right. Here's what we're going to do. And then we're going to move on to the the next email here. I'm going to come over to your house this weekend and I'm going to hit you with a board harder and harder. And you tell me when it starts to hurt. All right. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> we're going to do the annual board clubbing. The board beating of Christmas. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Rich, for that uh, call. Next is Nathan on the internet. 
Nathan says, I have never watched a show that is so equally adored and hated by its own fan base. In my opinion, The Walking Dead has provided some of the best content and storytelling work on television today. I'm engaged every week with the show and look forward to every episode, even if it's a filler. Does it sometimes rely on gimmicks and cliches of the horror genre? Absolutely. Does it sometimes utilize unfair plot devices to advance the story? Certainly. But that doesn't detract from the overall quality great enough for me to say that The Walking Dead is losing its steam. So my question is for you guys and critics of the series, do you guys even like this show? <laughs> I feel like everyone's favorite thing to do with The Walking Dead is to discuss how much better it could be if they were in charge of The Walking Dead. To say that something is unrealistic in a show is one of my least favorite critiques of a film or movie. It's a way of saying that, quote, in my reality, that could or would never happen, end quote. The entire idea of seeing a show or movie is to embrace fantasy, to embrace a reality that is not our own. I find it odd that so many people are critiquing Glenn's death when so many other insanely wild things have happened in this series. Like, this is the point where you feel the show got unrealistic? Really? This one thing? <laughs> yeah. So, I can see Nathan's point, but I... I think you and I on this podcast have been relatively fair in our assessment. Do I sometimes go off on a rant that's not well thought through and just a little bit ridiculous? Yes. Sure, sure I do. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows that, but that's the way it is. But I think in general, I think we're pretty fair about it. And when it comes to Glenn's death, I think my criticism was much more focused on the handling it from a marketing perspective than actually what we got on screen. And I think that's a different, a different thing. Yeah. And I, I agree with you that I think we've been relatively fair. I mean, I might be a little biased on that, but I can guarantee you the show would not be better if we were in charge. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. But um, there are, I mean, the show, uh, to, to answer your question, yes, I like the show. Mm -hmm. uh, do they do things that uh, annoy me sometimes? Yes. Do I tend to nitpick? I nitpick everything. Yeah, like I can. Uh, I can find fault. You know, for me, for something for something to be perfect, it has to be absolutely perfect. There can be nothing that detracts from it. If anything detracts from perfection, even a little bit, it does. It is, does not get a ten out of ten. Is I mean, does is that an achievable state for you a perfect review of something is it even possible to do that it is possible so give me a perfect movie uh dr strange love okay that's i can't a... think of anything that detracts from the perfection of that movie that is a really really good movie all right so the walking dead is definitely not perfect yeah. but it's far from absolutely terrible too and to answer the question as you did I like the show too. I really enjoy the show and I enjoy watching it. I look forward to it every week and I enjoy talking about it here for, you know, a couple hours a week or, or more too. Um, and yeah, sure. It's about zombies and we, we accept that fact and it's about, you know, a world where the dead come back to life and all these crazy things happen and we accept that. And then when it comes to something like Glenn's death, it just jumps out at us and be like, well, that's so ridiculous. Why would that happen? Um, but that's just the way it is. I mean, there's a certain level of suspension of disbelief, but you can't completely suspend your disbelief because then the show could get away with anything. They could do anything yeah. they want 
And we'd all sit back and go, oh, that was the greatest thing I've ever seen. I like mindless zombies. It has to, uh, for me, the biggest criteria for whether or not I like it, I like a, I like a show or a movie or, or whatever, or a book, it has to have internal consistency. Right. The internal logic of the uh, whatever it is that I'm uh, being entertained by uh, has to be there. If, it, if something uh, doesn't obey its own rules... That annoys me. Right. And, and sometimes this show does not obey its own rules. There, there there, are cases like that where it doesn't. I think The Walking Dead is pretty good. It is pretty at, good. At obeying its own rules. Um, but you're it's right. The, it's, the, it's the minivan flipping off the bridge and uh, not landing on its roof. <laughs> That's just ignoring the rules of physics, though. That's barely even... Well, a... I mean, one of the rules in this, uh, in this television show is physics is real. <laughs> right? Yes. Gravity exists. Gravity exists. <laughs> You know, the uh, uh, the conservation, the principle of conservation of momentum exists. Right. And so, yeah. that's true. They have to they have to stick with that. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like we can't I don't think we'd be doing any service to each other, to the people who listen to us, to the show. If we just sat here and praised it, you know, unquestionably every week. And right. we've there there are times when we've done that. You know, we've sat around here and we've had only good things to say. I think more often than not, we focus on the stuff we like and the good things. Um, but at the same time, we do have to call it out when we do. And it, so much of it comes down to personal opinion too, right? Like if there's something that you don't like, it might be totally different than what somebody else doesn't like or or whatever. So, you know, that's the, the beauty of doing this, that everyone has a different opinion and... Um, you know, that's it. Yeah. So thank you, Nathan, for that. Uh, one more email here is from JG in Overland Park, Kansas. About 607, that's episode 607, not, uh, not making you mad because it's just another among other bad episodes. What sets Glenn's death debacle apart from all the others is that we were misled on purpose, all in caps. <laughs> and for what? For BS reasons. Ratings? They've remained solid. To remind us that life is uncertain, I think we already knew that. To create a collective experience where strangers bond over what happens in a situation, this happens all the time. In fact, The Walking Dead is famous for this. About it being okay within the story, no, because the camera work clearly misled us. That's something old-time serials, Flash Gordon, etc., not serial with a C, shows did, and it's something The Walking Dead was known for avoiding. It was one of the best reasons fans could claim that The Walking Dead isn't just another zombie show. Tim from Massachusetts nailed it. I guess Tim was an uh, uh, emailer from a previous podcast. Tim from Massachusetts nailed it. The writers, producers, and AMC have gotten too into themselves and their popularity, Instead of wondering what's going to happen, we're now trending toward hunting down what's wrong in each episode. Glenn's death has put blood in the water, and AMC slash The Walking Dead has shaped us into sharks. Judith and Merle were maybe killed. We did see blood. However, we weren't deliberately misled. Carol and Sophia, same deal. We didn't see them die. We were just left with not knowing. Not a fake out, and certainly not hyped up. Yeah. So we're sharks. There's blood in the, blood in the water. Somebody's going to jump it. Uh, I I hope not. I hope the show hasn't already. Um, I think some time of separation from the Glenn's death has 
put it into perspective a little bit. And I really do truly believe that it was that if they just left it alone and, you know, maybe tweaked it a little bit to make it slightly more, uh, here I go saying realistic again, but slightly more, or let's say slightly less flawed, <laughs> that it that it would have been okay if they had just they just done it and gone with Glenn's dead and uh, and moved on and then surprised us when he came back. I'm I'm sure I'm confident that the whole internet still would have been talking about oh he's not dead because we didn't you know see him die actually and you know the internet would have exploded with all that speculation anyways. But at least AMC didn't kind of play into it the way they did. And, I mean, that's that's too bad. And I think JG's uh, uh, point here about, you know, with Sophia, same deal. We didn't see her die, but they just left it alone and, like, she disappeared. And it's yep. a mystery, and maybe we'll get more information, maybe we won't. Judith, you know, there was blood in that car seat. Judith must be dead. The zomb- Some zombie picked her up and tore her apart and ate her. Um and uh, that's it. So they just they just handled those ones a little differently, and in my opinion, a little bit better. Well, hopefully they've learned their lesson. I hope so. Gosh, if they listen to us, we've complained about it enough. But I think at this point, I would like to move on from it and uh, let's let's focus on the uh, second half of season Let, six. Uh, now. Bygones be bygones. Yeah, let's all let's all move on. Water under the bridge, and uh, that's it. Um, okay, thanks everyone for writing and calling in. That's the listener feedback we're going to do. Now we are going to move into the much more spoilery section of this podcast. Uh, the blanket warning for the whole episode still applies, but this is where we're going to talk about what's coming up, what we think is coming up, and base that on what happens in the comic. So we are going to definitely spoil the comic. I'm going to spoil everything. I'm blanketing statement. I'm going to spoil everything. <laughs> if uh, if there's a show on television or a movie uh, that I've seen, I am going to spoil it. So just uh, be warned. I'm even uh, I'm enlarging your blanket statement. I, <laughs> I wish you wouldn't do that because what if you spoil something like uh, totally something totally unrelated, like the end of um, I don't know, pick a movie that has a a twist. What if you spoil Charlie's Angels? What if you spoil the end of all of M Night Shyamalan's movies? That's not fair. Okay. All right. So I will try. I will try my darndest to keep things to The Walking Dead. Show all things. Walking show, Dead. Show comic, video game, novels, fair game. Yep. Um, and Star Wars. Star Wars later on, fair game. Any Star what Wars. I mean, Star movie. Wars later on, or can I spoil Star Wars now? Like, if I if we're talking about The Walking Dead and I bring in a Star Wars reference, am I yeah. going to get uh, okay? Fine. Trouble? You you can do that, I suppose. But just everybody, just please <laughs> don't get mad if. All right. If so for the Walking Jason Dead segment, somebody. I'm only going to spoil episodes one, two, and three of Star Wars. <laughs> fine. I'll I'll limit it to that. All right. So here's what we did. Uh, we went back and read. Uh, a bunch of comic issues. Uh, I hope you did anyways. I, I did. And it's the comic uh, issues sort of between roughly issue number 80 and 100. Now, I didn't actually read all 20 of those issues, but I did read a good chunk of it because that's the comic section of kind of what's happening in the show right now. Right. So I'm going to just run through a little bit of the plot 
of the comic here to sort of bring everyone up to speed on what was happening in the comic. So the group is in Alexandria and they've been hanging around there for a little while. Um, one thing that's different is that it's winter time in the comic. So mm-hmm. snow starts falling right around issue 80 or 81. Um, and it is definitely colder, which is a difference from the show. Um, but in the comic, a big zombie herd has amassed outside the walls of Alexandria and um, they, which is similar to the show, and they have to sort of try to think of a way to deal with that. Um, some other things that are going on, Abe, Abraham, is having in the comic a secret relationship with Holly, who is still Holly. alive, and this is while he is still with Rosita. So we've sort of got that happening in the TV show, except that Abe is inside Alexandria. He's not outside in a truck with somebody, with other people. Um, in the comic, Rick and Jesse do hook up, and it's very soon after her husband Pete's death. So that's very similar. Um, but in the comic, it's all mostly Jesse initiating it, whereas I think in the TV show, it's a little bit more Rick. I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. Women are wily. <laughs> Maybe, but I think Rick, in the show, Rick kisses Jesse. In the- I've gotten into relationships with uh, with women in the past where I thought it was my idea, and it definitely was not my idea. Well, don't complain too much, man. <laughs> no, I'm not complaining too much. I'm just saying that uh, just because uh, you know you and I are, are men and we think the it's the it's the, the you know Rick's idea in the show does not necessarily mean that it's Rick's idea. All right, people, let us know in the TV show. Do you think it was Rick's idea to? Do you think Rick kissed Jesse, or do you think Jesse kissed Rick? Oh, it still might be Rick kissing Jesse. Don't get me wrong. Okay, but it might have been. I just don't know idea. if it's his idea. Okay, fine. Anyways, the point is that in the TV show, they're getting together too. So that's sort of, uh, sorry, in the comic, that parallels the TV show a little bit. And then um, in the comic, the tower doesn't fall down over the wall. Um, The wall is just weak in certain parts and the zombies are able to push through a section and it breaks and the zombies do come into Alexandria and a lot of the characters hide out in a house. So that's, that uh, is pretty similar. So... In the comic, um, Tobin is actually killed pretty much as soon as the wall comes down. So that's a bit of a difference right there. And I was wondering if in the TV show, we sort of see Tobin get rescued, remember, by, um, who is it, Rosita and uh, um, Tara. Right, yep. Or at least they pick him up off the ground and then we never see him again. So I'm wondering, one of the things that I think is going to happen in the back half of season six, maybe the first episode or the second episode back, is that we find Tobin's body. I have a bad feeling that poor Tobin gets killed off screen and they're going to find him dead somewhere. That could be. So I'm not committing to that, but I, I agree with that it might happen. Yeah, I think it might happen. If not, we're just going to have to figure he he made it to a house somewhere and he he got himself safe. Um, But I think they're probably going to find his body. And another big difference of what's going on in the comic when it comes to this part of the story is that Morgan gets bit during the initial battle with the zombies when they're coming in. And in that scene, Michonne just uses her sword and cuts off his arm as fast as she can, like his whole arm. she chops it right off. Yeah, chops it right off. But he later dies in the house when uh, I guess she didn't really get it done in time. So this is the part of the comic where Morgan dies. Yes. 
And it was after he hooked up with Michonne, too, right? Yeah, that's right. Him so and, there's a relationship between Morgan and Michonne. There was. And this makes it even harder for Michonne, right? Now, not really. <laughs> she just, she well, just lops off that arm pretty darn quick. Yeah, I mean, but later on, like when she's by his bedside, you know, when oh, he's yeah, dying yeah. and so on, it's even harder. Um, but they had a sort of a tentative relationship anyways, because he was struggling with it himself, you know, having lost his wife and his son and so on. He wasn't sure if, uh, like he, he, I think he said something like, I'm not sure if I deserve to be happy anymore kind of thing, right? Um, anyways, that's a big difference, but it makes me think, you know, what are they doing in the TV show? Is Morgan is Morgan going to be involved in some sort of relationship at some point? It doesn't seem like there's that, you know, the doesn't seem like that's happening anywhere on the TV show. So I feel like they're doing something totally different with Morgan. And I would be very surprised if Morgan was killed off in the second half of season six or, you know, somehow in the commotion of the zombie invasion here. Maybe in the finale, the season finale. Maybe in the finale. And yeah, I think we can get to that in a little bit, because I'm pretty sure somebody's going to die in the season finale or this the penultimate episode, episode 15. Um, but in the comic, yeah, he dies basically just as everyone is leaving the house covered in zombie guts, which is something that happens in the comic. So here's where we're at. Comic, everyone leaves the house covered in zombie guts. And by everyone, I mean Rick, Jesse, her two kids, um, no, her one kid, Ron, and... Uh, Carl, and maybe one or two other people, but those are the those are the important ones. In the TV show, we have them doing the same thing: Jesse, Ron, Sam, Carl, and Rick, and anybody else. Probably other people leaving the house covered in zombie guts. Yep. So here's where we get into what we think is going to happen on the TV show. Now, what happens in the in the comic is that. Um, Things don't go as well. Jesse's son starts to panic. <laughs> he pees his pants. <laughs> and he gets bitten by zombies because he's making a commotion. Um, Jesse refuses to let go of him, which causes her to get bitten by zombies. Mm-hmm. And as she's being consumed by them, she refuses to let go of Carl's hand, who is trying to pull away because she's got Carl on the other side of her. Rick is yelling to let Carl go, and she won't, so Rick does the only thing he can do and uses his axe to chop off her hand as she's getting eaten by zombies so Carl can get away. That's totally going to happen. I think you're probably right. I think you are probably (laughs) right, and I'm bummed to think that Jesse is going to die on the TV show, Um, but they've, they've set it up basically exactly the same. There's a relationship there on the... In the comic, you know, Rick and her have had sex and things like that, so it's it's much more. Uh, there's a few there are a few steps forward in the relationship than just you know kissing in a garage somewhere. Yeah, they probably don't have time to have sex between now and then. No, because <laughs> they've already left the house, right? Yeah. And they got all their kids in tow. They're in the middle of zombie herd. Yeah, so it's really an inappropriate time to get down to business. Yeah, so they're probably not going to do that. But you know, they've set up the fact here that. Uh, Sam is already getting getting upset. He's going to make this commotion. And I just can't... Maybe it won't play out exactly the same way, but 
I really think that something pretty similar here is going to happen as soon as we come back in episode nine on uh, Valentine's Day that really mirrors this pretty closely. Yeah. Um, now, having said that, every time I say this is what's going to happen for sure, they they don't do that because, you know. Then I'll say it. This is what's going to happen for sure. All right. Let's see what happens this time when you say it. And it's Valentine's Day, so it's the perfect opportunity for someone that Rick loves to die. Yeah. And, and you know, have her hand cut off by by him. I mean, that's just yeah. just, just Does he brutal. have an axe on him? Uh, oh, he's got... you got a machete. He's uh, definitely got something that he can use to cut hands off with, yeah. Yeah, because if you have to shoot somebody's hand off, that's probably not great. Ooh, no, that would just take too long. You need a Depends sharp the knife that you can just slice right down. Yeah, machetes are good for that. Uh, a nice axe. Uh, would be good. A saw would work, but it would take a little more effort. Uh-huh. Um, you know, a razor blade would be bad, most likely. Yeah. Well, I think he's uh, got the machete. You know, he likes the you, machete. Uh, I'm going to spoil that movie 127 hours. Haven't seen uh, it. You know, have a, a multi-tool. I mean, it could uh, it could take a while, but you could get it done. Okay. <laughs> you, you're familiar with the movie? Uh, yeah, I am familiar with the movie. You I know, know what happens. happens. It's, it's, a, real it's a real story. story yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this seems to be lining up to basically be what happened in the comic. So I, you know, I think it's a pretty good bet that that's what's going to happen as soon as we come back. Um, but then that's not the only thing that happens in that scene. And here's the part that I am not as convinced of. So in the comic, there's a character named Douglas. Now, Douglas is the comic equivalent of Deanna on the TV show. Yep. The last name is the same. I believe it's Douglas Monroe. On, in the comic book. And he's there too. And he has a gun. He panics. He starts shooting. But he gets bitten. And as he's being bitten and eaten by the zombies, he starts firing randomly, basically into the air and around his surroundings until he dies and he can no longer shoot his weapon. But he ends up hitting someone with one of his random bullets. Oh, that. So yeah. he, he shoots Carl... In the face, in the in comic the book. face. But Deanna's already dead. Deanna's already dead. So that's why I don't think that that is going to play out in this very scene. So TV show, they've really set up Ron as being the guy who's going to shoot Carl. Now, maybe, maybe Ron has his gun. No, he doesn't because Carl made him take it away or Carl took it away. Yeah. So he doesn't have a gun. So I don't think it's going to be Ron in the scene. Who would have a gun in this scene? Rick? Jesse? Maybe? Jesse might have one. And Carl has his own gun. Yeah. And Carl's not going to shoot himself in the face. No, not likely. Um, but if there's anyone else around, I, I don't know. I don't know. think anybody's going to shoot Carl in the face. No. I think you're right. I don't think this is going to happen. I don't think this is going to happen in this scene either. I think this, I think they're going to go with the, you know, Jesse and her kids' death, or at least one of her kids, and the hand chopping bit. And that'll probably be enough for this scene here. Um, do I think Carl might get shot later on? Yes, maybe. Maybe Ron, you know, watches his brother and mother die and that enrages him even more, right? Yes and no. I mean, we spend a lot of time initially talking about uh, Rick getting his hand cut off. Mm -hmm. And that never happened, right? And that's a pretty significant, pivotal event in the, in the comic. Yeah, that's true. Even though true. Robert Kirkman said he wished he'd never done that. 
Well, here's an email from Chuck in Chesapeake, Virginia. And he says, Robert Kirkman has stated that Rick doesn't lose his hand on TV because of the complication it would add to the TV story. Does this apply to Carl losing an eye? It works in a comic book, but would it work on TV? We know something big is coming in February because we have the situation established where a random Alexandrian started firing wildly at the zombies and comic book Ron gets snatched away. Here's my speculation. TV Ron starts firing wildly when Brother Sam draws the walker's attention. One of Ron's shots will hit Carl, but not in the eye. It will hit baby Judith, whom Carl is carrying. (laughs) You can't shoot a baby in the face. Well, okay, number one, I don't think Ron has a gun in this scene, right? Carl took it away, and they made a big deal of that in the house, right? Yeah. So I don't think Ron has a gun. Now, maybe he got a gun somewhere else. Maybe he grabs it from somebody. Maybe in all the commotion, he yanks Rick's gun out of his holster and starts shooting wildly because his mom is being eaten by zombies. I mean, there's there's all kinds of ways he could actually have a gun in hand. But that's a good point, that Carl, in the comic... Didn't have Judith. She was long dead in the comic at this point. So, but in the TV show, he's got her strapped under his zombie poncho. Yeah. And I don't know, Jason. Is this the time where they kill a baby on TV? But maybe. I mean, think about it. She's covered. You wouldn't actually see her die. I mean, you don't have to see the baby's head explode with a gunshot wound, which I I feel bad even talking about but maybe this is it maybe carl takes a bullet he goes down and for a minute we think oh my god carl's been shot but then it's revealed that baby judith took the bullet instead and carl is okay you don't think they they can't do do it it. they can't kill a baby on national television they can't do it oh my god man i don't know i i i have a feeling they're looking for a way to do it and this may be it i don't think so i mean they've been doing a pretty good job for the last couple of years of having a baby around, but it not being the focus of the entire show. Yeah. Right? Because if there was a baby around, it's the focus of absolutely everything. Right? Well, yeah. You, you, you know, you've had a couple of kids. When they're, uh, when they're newborns and you bring them home, it's your whole life. Well, right? in some ways it still is. <laughs> well, yes, exactly. So, I mean, you can't portray that because if they portrayed that in a, a realistic fashion, that baby would be the entire show. Right. Yeah. So or, they had to, they had to take the baby and put it in the story background. So they've been able to do that successfully, I think. And I think they're going to have to continue doing that because you, you can't kill a baby on national television. I'm telling you. I, I I do partially agree with you. I do think that's a really tough thing to do. But you know, they. I mean, you can do it on a movie, but you know, how many how many dead babies have you seen in movies? Three. It was Train Spotting. Spoiler for train spotting. Sorry. <laughs> Just spoiling everything. Well, can you name two more? <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yeah, I, don't I was know. hoping one would come to me. I've I can remember when Will Farrell punched a baby. Well, uh, punched a baby. See, that was funny though. That was a comedy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, you can punch babies in comedies, but well, not in a show he, like had this. To, he had to uh he had to take a step up from super bad when uh, Michael Sarah punched that girl in the boob. Right? Yeah, that's... and that was funny, and that was hilarious. So he had to take a step up, and it's like, well, what can you punch? You can't punch another girl in the boob. You got to punch a baby. You just you got to punch a baby. <laughs> you got that's it's the only option, really. Yeah, only option. I don't know, man. I think Chuck might be onto something here because this way they can shoot the baby without showing it to us, and they just have to say, "Oh my God, Judith was shot." Rick will, you know, break down, 
Carl will break down and they'll be useless sacks of crap for a while because, you know, Judith was was shot, but they don't actually have, they can do it without actually showing it to us. So I think it could happen. But if it doesn't happen, I don't think anyone will be shot in this scene. I don't think this is where Carl gets shot and uh, that's it. Now, we should clarify, Carl does not die in the comic book when he gets shot. He loses an eye. He gets shot in in the head in such a way that he's extremely lucky, loses an eye, but he doesn't suffer brain damage or anything like that. And Dr. Denise is able to save him in the comic book. So Carl's been, you know, hanging around in the comics now with basically a big bandage around his face and over one eye and, you know, sometimes wearing glasses and things like that, which that's the kind of thing you could do in a TV show, right? It's easy to put bandages on a guy's head oh, or yeah. make him wear glasses or have long hair covering that side of his face, right? That's right, yeah. So they could they could get away with that. It's it's I think it's easier than having him than having Rick lose a hand. You know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, it would be easier. Uh, because the hands are so essential. Your eye, I guess, is essential, but he still has another one. So, you know. He got two. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think that's going to happen here, but I do think Jesse's going to get her hand chopped off and that's it. Um, so as the comic progresses from here, we get a bunch of issues basically covering the sort of the aftermath of this. Because what happens is they end up actually fighting off the zombies in the comic. Everyone gets involved, including Father Gabriel, including the coward uh, Eugene. Those guys aren't as useless in the comic as they have been on the TV show so far. And so when you put those guys in the mix, Abraham and Rosita, they're all here in Alexandria still. And Rick and Andrea, who's still alive in the comic book, they all basically team up and fight off the zombies that are in, that have made their way into Alexandria. So we do get that. But once that's all wrapped up, um, we get a bunch of issues of sort of the aftermath and what yeah. what that's done to the characters and how they have changed their outlook. So do you think that's what's going to happen in the TV show where basically they just are like, okay, you know what? We just have to fight them and one at a one, one by one, take them out. And that's how they're going to deal with the invasion of zombies in, in Alexandria. That's a lot of zombies. Well, that's the problem. It is a lot, but I, I mean, everyone assumed that there were they were going to get back with the rocket launcher and that was going to help because you can kill a lot of zombies with rocket propelled grenades i've read that yeah um but that doesn't that doesn't look like it's going to happen so i have a feeling maybe it'll just be well we got to fight them off and if you keep moving and separating the zombies a little bit you can do one or two at a time move draw them to you do one or two at a time i don't know maybe it's maybe it's possible maybe so we'll see. I have a feeling that might be how it plays out. Um, but my point is, I think Abraham plays a pretty big part in this entire sequence, and he's not there in the TV show, so they've yeah. got to do something else. Um, but the the way Rick comes out of it is that he kind of changes his outlook on everything. He starts to see things from a real sort of a more broad perspective, and he starts looking long-term, right? Once they've killed all those zombies, and he's like, look, we dealt with that. We now have to not think about surviving day-to-day. We have to think about surviving, like, month-to-month and year-to-year. So there's a lot, there's a big change in Rick after this uh, Alexandria portion of the comics. 
where he wants to start doing things that are going to help them survive long term. And I have a feel a feeling that the show is not going to go for that. I think they're just going to kind of fast track over that because one, I'm not sure it would make really compelling TV. Yeah. You know, having Rick be like, okay, let's dig trenches. Let's, you know, park cars outside so that, uh, there's not a straight path to the wall. And one of the things he says is we'll dig trenches and use that dirt to reinforce behind the wall, which is actually a pretty good idea, I think. Um, but I don't think that makes for a great, exciting TV. So I'm pretty sure they are going to just skip over all that and move right into, um, I don't know, what what should we call it? The Negan era? The Negan, <laughs> Negan, Negan times? The Negan times. Um, obviously, he's been name-dropped on the show, and that does seem to be what the second half of season six is going to be about. So a little bit of background on Negan and who he is. Um, he leads another group of survivors called the Saviors. And in fact, there's a, there's a third group introduced soon after this in the comic called the Hilltop. And uh, there's a character, the first character we meet from the Hilltop is a guy named Jesus. And he is, his actual name is Paul, but he goes by Jesus, I think, because he looks like him <laughs> in the comic. Oh, yeah. yep. And we do know he's coming to the TV show. He's being cast, and, you know, he's going to be there. So um, I think what we're going to see as soon as the Alexandria situation is resolved is that Jesus is introduced. We are introduced to his community, the Hilltop. And as we know, Negan is coming, and he's the leader of the Saviors. And the whole idea is the Saviors... Um, are pretty ruthless, and what they do is they provide protection to these other groups in exchange for half of their supplies. And he is a brutal, ruthless leader that, uh, you know, swears a lot and kills a lot of people. Nice. So we know he's coming, and here's an email from John on California's, or in California's Central Valley. John says, From watching the episodes of this season... I'm starting to see that there's a theme, however subtle it may be, that is developing. In Season 3, the theme was that we can't do things on our own, and I think that this theme is coming back in a slightly different way. This season, the message is that sometimes we just need a savior. When we think about it, there are countless examples of people being saviors for each other. Enid saving Glenn. Glenn saving Enid. Nicholas saving Glenn. Glenn saving Nicholas. <laughs> Aaron saving Maggie. Rick saving Spencer, Deanna saving Rick. You get the picture. The idea is that we think we can do things, certain things on our own, but in reality, we need a savior to bail us out. Having not read the comics, I couldn't help but research that Negan is a leader of a group called none other than the Saviors. The Saviors. Now, John in his email goes on to speculate that Rick will transition out of a leadership role as Negan takes over. Um... And he figured that, you know, after a while of that, things will, you know, likely go bad, and then Rick will have to take over again. So um, John hasn't gone too deep into the comics. So John, if you're still listening to this, um, I'm not so sure that's how things are going to play out, because big spoiler, everybody, here it comes. In issue number 100 of the comic, Negan beats Glenn to death with a baseball bat. Wow, that's a big spoiler. And it is a big deal. Um, and I am pretty sure we are leading up to that. Now, how we get there, I don't know. Whether or not it is even going to be Glenn, 
I don't know, because maybe the show will throw in a monkey wrench and be like, yeah, we got Negan. He's going to beat someone to death with a bat, but it's not Glenn. (laughs) Mm. You know, I don't know. Um, Anyways, Jason, do you have any thoughts on on getting towards Negan and what he's going to do and and how, you know, how they're going to introduce him? No. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. Great. Not really. Well, I I agree with you that uh, they're going to get out of their current situation and then they're just going to gloss over... Uh, gloss over the next little while, uh, you know, setting up. Because it's really boring to watch somebody dig a trench. I've done it. It's not fun. And we've kind of seen, well, we've seen them building walls. And that's, you know, digging trenches, building walls, no difference. I forget in the comic, how was uh, Negan introduced? Um, Well, yeah, that's a good question. I did not reread all the way up to issue number 100. So I, I forget now if he actually appears... Before that scene, I think he might, but if not, that's his first scene. Basically, he has Glenn, uh, Rick, and a bunch of other people there, and he's kind of explaining the situation to them, and he wants to he wants to assert his dominance over them. So he goes through this big speech about which one of you should I kill, and he goes through each person that's there, and he ultimately decides on Glenn, and then he beats the living crap out of him with his baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I, I think, I think that scene is going to happen at the end of season six, but we still have then eight episodes or seven episodes to get through leading up to that. So obviously they're going to tell story, the story in a little bit of a different way. Um, but they're going to introduce Jesus, uh, and they're going to introduce these other communities. So, Maybe it's just going to take some time to sort of get to know these communities, probably have some conflict with them. I mean, I do know in the comic that Jesus takes Rick and a group of people to the hilltop, and, you know, they're not exactly, uh, Rick's not exactly trusting of everyone at first, so there's some story there. Um, But ultimately, when Negan is introduced, things don't go well for everybody. And uh, we're now at issue number 147, so it's been like, or 48, so it's been almost 50 issues since Holy 100. Holy can of tomatoes. I stopped reading at 100. I know. So there's been almost another 50 since then. So a lot has happened since then. Um, and I'm not going to get into that because that is not relevant to what we're looking at here in the TV show. Um, but by the end of season six, we could be more or less up to issue 100. And yeah. uh, things do get very different after that. So... Um, I have a call here from Angie in Birmingham, regular listen Angie, and she's got some some information about uh, Negan and what she thinks. So I will let her do some talking now since I've done so much. Cool. Okay, Chris, you asked for it. You're being overly dramatic. Um, you're looking into the Glenn thing far too much. Uh, just wanted to say, this is kind of spoilery, so it's just my opinion, um, but it's what may happen for the season finale. Uh, I think what they've done with Glenn is a, well, it was, it was a fake out, they're testing the water. If you think to the news that you said last, last podcast, they have only just cast Negan. Uh, now, everybody knows he's come in, uh, we've been speculating it since mid-season five, Um so non-comic readers kind of know something's happening just from the use of the name. Comic readers know what's going to happen with the Glenn storyline. Um, and 
you know, when they filmed season, episode three, uh, they hadn't cast Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Negan. Uh, they hadn't written it, they hadn't filmed it. I think they were just testing the water, wanting to see the reaction. Um, and I don't know how you are about spoilers or how hot on the moves you are right now. Um, but AMC have had a big problem in a leaked video of that scene um, being shown around the net. And it's somebody on their crew has filmed on their mobile on the monitor screen of that scene being filmed. So whilst it's a very poor quality one, um, it is that scene in issue 100 that's being filmed. And the one thing that people can't make out is who it is. It may not be Glenn. Um, so this was either a real, you know, tease to say, hey, we're going to kill Glenn. Uh, no, we're not. He's safe. Oh, shit. Sorry. Yes, we killed him. Or, hey, we're going to kill Glenn and not do it. And everybody think that they're going to kill Glenn. And they go, hey, we could have. But no, we're killing Daryl or Carol or Maggie. You know, maybe Abe. Maybe they're going to use somebody else instead in that scene. And they're just messing with us, which is kind of cool. I'm fine with that. All right, so I'll stop Angie there. She goes into some other stuff. But uh, that's, I think, the point that uh, we can take away from all this. They're definitely leading up towards this. There was this leaked video of them filming that scene. I thought the quality of it was so brutal. It was almost difficult to even say that that's what they were filming. But that's what people are saying. So they're filming a scene with Negan talking to people on their knees, holding a baseball bat. And I don't know if you see him take a swing at somebody. But um, the point is, it looks like he's going to be introduced in the show. He's going to be a badass, played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He's going to club somebody to death, whether it's Glenn, Daryl, Eugene. Eugene. It's Eugene. Father Gabe. (laughs) Please be Father Gabe. That's oh, you can't beat terrible. a priest to death. Oh, yeah, maybe not. Might as well beat the baby to death. So you can't do that either. Base some pre- babies and priests are safe? <laughs> uh, well, the priest, Father Gabriel, is good until he turns evil. As soon as he just does something evil, then you can kill him. But uh, as it stands right now, you can't kill a priest. All right. On national television. Anyways. I, I believe it's going to be Eugene. No, I think it's going to be someone bigger. I wouldn't be surprised if it actually was Glenn. Um, or Daryl. Um, you know, I was talking to Jason from um, the Walking Dead cast not too long ago, and I was saying to him that I think that the whole if Daryl dies, we riot movement has died down a little bit. Like It I, has. I, I would agree with that. I don't, I don't get, I don't have the perception that that's still as big a deal. Like, people aren't, Daryl's still cool, but we barely see the guy on the in the show anymore. And when we do, the Daryl episode where um, the saviors were actually introduced, it wasn't a great episode. And, and it, you know, the Daryl stuff there was a little bit weak. So I feel like Daryl's a little bit out of favor right now. I think he's going to play a bigger part in the second half of season six. So maybe they're going to build him up, make us love him again, and then club him in the head with a baseball bat. And then beat him to death. And then beat him to death. So I could see that happening. And how I feel about that, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see if that happens. But I think any of our major characters outside of uh, Rick, Carl, um, Rick and Carl are pretty much you know up for a good head beating. <laughs> I st- I'm standing by Eugene. Yeah. Okay. Well, Eugene, we'll see. Um, 
And I feel like, yeah, we just talked a lot about Negan without really saying anything, but uh, we know he's coming, and we know he beats someone to death, so that seems like it's going to happen. Um, but I think everything else regarding what's going to happen like immediately as soon as the show comes back with Jesse and them, I feel pretty confident on that stuff. Yeah, as do I. Yeah. Okay, that is going to end our Walking Dead segment of this episode. And now we're going to do something. We're going to turn the corner and we're going to talk about something completely unrelated. And of course, that is Star Wars The Force Awakens. I don't know about you, Jason, but I could sit and listen to that theme song the whole the whole way through. I bought it on iTunes. Did you? The, the, yeah, I the bought new... it on iTunes. I uh, I listened to it. It starts off with the 20th Century Fox. Shun dun, shun dun. Yeah. Dun dun. It. Yeah, and I really enjoyed it. I was uh, one of the things I was a little disappointed was that we didn't get the 20th Century Fox opening in the Star Wars thing because uh, to me that is the true opening to a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, you know a minor disappointment. So did you buy the soundtrack for the Force Awakens or did you buy like? Oh no, the... I bought it years ago. Oh okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm th- I might buy this Force Awakens soundtrack because. It has all the great Star Wars music, but it also has all the new, newly composed stuff, which I thought was really, really great. I don't know if I can wrap my head around buying something that doesn't have Darth Vader's, Darth Vader's march. Uh, yeah, that's a that's an interesting point, I suppose. But it's got because they didn't have that in this movie. It's got lots of good music too, though. Yeah. Anyways, Star Wars: The Force Awakens, the first Star Wars movie we've had since. Uh, George Lucas sold the whole thing to Disney. And, of course, the first Star Wars movie we've had since the third prequel came out. Prequel came out. Uh, I don't even know when that was, but it was some time ago. 2001, maybe? Was it already that 14, 15 years ago? Yeah, it was 1999 was uh, episode one. Oh, really? There was two years in between each movie, though. So was there? 99, 2001, 2003. Anyways, it's been a long time. There's been a lot of, I think, pent-up anticipation for this movie, especially after it was announced, of course, that they were, were making it. And it tells the story. Remember, everyone, spoilers for oh, yeah, Star we're Wars. The, shit out the of Force this, Awakens. Like... Seriously, seriously. If you haven't seen it and you care about this sort of thing, you can't come to us later and say, you bastards, you spoiled the movie for me. I'm saying here right now, The Force Awakens, we're going to spoil it. We're going to yeah. talk about the important plot details in this movie. Should we just get the, the big thing out of the way right now and just shock people? No, let's not do that. I, oh, I want right. this to I, be... I feel bad. I, I, I'm glad you said that because I don't think I could, I could do that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Anyways, spoiler warning. Star Wars Force Awakens will be spoiled here and now. Um, I was going to say this tells the story or it takes place about 30 years after the events of Return of the Jedi. It yeah. tells a new-ish story, um, but it does involve Han Solo... General Leia, formerly known as Princess Leia, and Luke Skywalker, and other familiar characters from the original trilogy. Chewbacca. Chewie is there. 3PO is there. R2 is there. 
Um, but there are some new characters too. So Jason, what did you think of the latest Star Wars movie? Uh, so I'm tempted to say that I didn't like it. Are you just for the shock value? Just for the shock value. <laughs> but uh, the actual truth is I flat out loved it. That's good. I'm glad to hear you say that. Because <laughs> if you said you didn't like it, I might have to rage quit the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to rage quit you. <laughs> I'm going to rage quit you, exactly. You know, you know I can't quit you. No, especially over a That's Star Wars That's from Brokeback movie. Mountain, spoiler alert. Well, look at that. You are spoiling everything. <laughs> spoiling everything. You know, you didn't have to say that and people might not have known. We should go watch Brokeback Mountain. It was actually was a good movie. I, I agree. No, actually about it, I agree. But anyways, we're not here to talk about that. I loved the new Star Wars movie as well. I don't think it was perfect. I think I did have a few issues with it, but I got to say any gripes I have with it felt relatively minor Yeah. when compared to my overall excitement and just unadulterated love for the movie. What did you and like about it so much? What did I like? I really liked BB-8. I thought he was uh, uh, a great addition to the cast and had a lot of uh, character to him. It was mm-hmm. Bill Hader, right? Bill Hader and... And uh, some other guy who were... who They were voice consultants, or I, I guess you could say beeping and whining consultants. <laughs> yeah, it was Bill and his name started with B, because that's where the uh, Bill Hader and whatever the other guy's name is, that's where the BB comes from in BB-8. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I really like BB-8. I thought he was a, a fantastic little character. I thought he had a, a, a lot of good, <laughs> I thought yeah, he added a lot to the movie. I agree. Um, I'm, which I'm sort of, I mean, I'm not that surprised about. Like, in the original trilogy, C-3PO and R2-D2 are very important to the story, and they add a lot to that story. The thing that, that made me love BB-8 the most is just how much, how much logic <laughs> went in to creating a droid that is a big sphere? <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's a ball with a hat. <laughs> it's a ball with a hat. But think about it. Like, R2-D2 is a cool droid, and I love him. But the prequels revealed how ridiculous a design that is. And having those little legs that don't bend right, he can't go up and down stairs, he can't go over any rough terrain, everything has to be nice and flat because he either has to roll or waddle on his legs, and he can't move at all. So in the prequels, George Lucas had to make him fly, which is one of the things that pissed me off. Like, R2-D2, he can fly all of a sudden, makes no sense at all. But you design a droid that's a ball... He can roll over all kinds of different terrain. He can go downstairs. We even saw that yeah. in this movie. We don't know about upstairs. Like, can he climb the stairs? I probably not. Probably going downstairs is okay. Is going okay. But how brilliant was it that they equipped him with those, um, like grappling hooks, almost that he could shoot yeah. out of, shoot out, and yank himself up, so he could go upstairs doing that. One of my favorite things about BB-8 was uh, the noise he made when he hit something sounded like an empty trash can, like bonk. It was <laughs> I, awesome. I didn't notice that. Just but. the sound effect when he hit something was absolutely amazing. Yeah, I actually didn't notice that sound, but that's great. I mean, the sound design in this movie was was fantastic. Yeah. Um, so BB-8, so so much love for him, just the fact that he was round. Uh, it, it just blew me away that, like, I can't believe I never considered the fact that a round droid like that makes so much more sense than one on legs, or even a humanoid droid like R2, yeah. uh, than 3PO, I mean, C-3PO. Like, he could barely go upstairs, <laughs> you know? So no, he uh, can't go upstairs. He can't bend his legs. 
No, his watch him walk. Go walk. Go watch the original trilogy. I did that over the weekend myself. Yeah, watch him try and walk up a hill. He can't walk up a hill. Well, no, I think that he was supposed to be able to bend his legs though, but the the suit didn't really allow for it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, BB-8, fantastic. He was integral to the story, and um, like even having a droid whose head can move like that, or hat as you called it, it's such a good way to convey additional emotion like if he's sad oh, yeah. he can lower his head r2d2 can't do that he just has to make a a, a sad whiny noise yeah <laughs> right so i mean oh, B- when B- uh, when great. ray when they first found the millennium falcon and ray was trying to fix it and trying to get finn to pass her the right tools and she kept saying no that one and he's like this one no that one no that one look where i'm pointing that one and then bba rolls over and looks down right at the thing he's supposed to pick up yep that was my favorite part in the whole movie. Well, I do have a favorite part too, but it wasn't that. I'll get to it later, but remind me. Um, but you're right. But I think that scene was great. And that gets me into some of these new characters. So Ray is played by Daisy Ridley, was amazing. Yes. She is going to be a superstar. And not only because she's in Star Wars, her her performance and John Boyega's, I think, were stellar. Oh, yeah. Just fantastic. She's very lithe. She's very. Do you see how quickly she got up and moved around? She's very athletic. Yeah, that's that's good. <laughs> but I think just her acting performance was fantastic, and it just goes to show you that like, um, she's a good actor, obviously, but in a good script with a good story. It makes all the difference because Natalie Portman's a good actor too, but she had a terrible script and she oh, was yeah. she was terrible. And Ewan McGregor, I like Ewan McGregor. Oh, absolutely, I love that guy. And how do you get Ewan McGregor and Natalie Portman in a scene and they're both fucking terrible? <laughs> terrible, terrible. God damn, the asshole Lucas should not be allowed to have full creative control over anything. Well, he doesn't anymore, at least when Thank it comes to goodness. Star Wars. So. Um, Daisy really was fantastic. John Boyega. I thought that Adam Driver as uh, Kylo Ren. I always want to yep. call him Rilo Ken, but it's not. It's Kylo Ren. Or you're thinking of uh, Super Street Fighter. I am. Ryukin. Oh, I don't know. I've never played There's the game, character- so I don't know. You've never played the game. Shame I, on you. never really played Street Fighter, but I think he was amazing as Kylo Ren as well. And uh, I really like Adam Driver. Oh, me too. I really, really like him. So I was, uh, you sent me a video where all the actors are singing the, uh, they're doing an acapella version of the, uh, uh, of the theme song, theme song. What a great video. It was a great video, but I remember I chastised you for a spoiler because I didn't know <laughs> all of the actors. Like I know Daisy Ridley and John Boyega were in it, but I had not seen them in anything else. So I didn't know them. There were just a couple of unknowns. Right. And I knew that uh, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford were in this. And I knew that uh, Chewbacca was in it, Peter Mayhew. Uh, so I knew those actors were in it, but I didn't know that Adam Driver was in it. I didn't know that uh, Gwendolyn... Christie was in it. Mm-hmm. And so you sent me this video. And I'm like, oh man, Adam Driver's in this. It raised my excitement level just a little bit. And I was trying very hard over the last couple of weeks to manage my excitement level over this movie. Well, luckily, the movie lived up. So your excitement was was okay. But but I knew, see, if, I, if he had taken off that mask and it had been Adam Driver and I didn't know that it was him beforehand, because I figured it out. Because he wasn't in the movie before. Like, I, like okay, I know Adam Driver's around here somewhere. Where is he? Yeah. Oh, there he is. 
Right. Right. So I figured it out because of that video you sent. Well, my assumption was that you'd seen all the trailers and so you knew he was in there. No. Anyways, I'm glad it didn't totally ruin the movie for you. And I'm glad that, and as soon as he took off the mask and his face was fine, he was just wearing a mask because he was a wannabe Darth Vader. Uh, you know, he wants to be his grandfather. Mm-hmm. I knew at some point during the movie, his face is going to get disfigured and he'll have to wear the mask. Oh, but his face doesn't get disfigured. She, she cuts him with the lightsaber. Well, it's just a end. scratch, though. I know, but he gets disfigured, so he's going to be a disfigured dude. He's going to need to wear the mask. Maybe. Well, um, yes, as you said, he Darth Vader is his grandfather because it's revealed in the film that he is uh, Han and Leia's son. Now, mm-hmm. Han and Leia's marriage seems to have fallen on hard times at some point. Or well, re- how do you how do you survive your son? Uh, killing a bunch of people and going over to the dark side. That's that's tough, absolutely. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they seem like they haven't really talked in some time or spoken in some time, but they're they're forced back together in this movie a little bit. Um, but that's that was great. Like, what I liked about Kylo Ren is that he's not a Sith. He's a member of the Knights of Ren, and that's where his name comes from, Kylo Ren. Um but did you notice, too, that Kylo is kind of a, a mashup of Skywalker and Solo? Sky, no, I Kai, know that. Solo, Low, Kylo. <laughs> so no. I don't know if that's a thing or not, but that's, that, you know, that struck me. I thought it was pretty cool. But again, Adam Driver, really great in this movie. And he does something that really, really solidifies his position on the dark side. Yes. So we're actually going to take it this far. And well, I assume that if you're listening to this, that you've seen the damn movie. Yes. If you've seen the movie, this is this is one of the biggest spoilers in the film. I mean, it maybe is it may it probably is the biggest thing that can be ruined for someone. Yeah, it's huge. It, he kills his father, Harrison Ford, Han Solo. He kills Han Solo, his own father, when his when Han Solo is there trying to sort of talk him back to the light side, saying, "Come back, you know, you're not you're not all gone." So Han Solo is dead. He he gets uh, he gets impaled by a lightsaber. As soon as he stepped foot onto that bridge, I knew he was going to die. To be honest, I knew he was going to die before that scene even got there. I'm like, there is no way Han Solo is surviving this movie. As soon as it's revealed that you know his son is this evil dark side Jedi, and and then you know Carrie Fisher says try to bring our son back. You just know there's going to be a scene with the two of them. And I don't think that the main bad guy in the film is going to come back like this. Well, J.J. Abrams likes to kill a beloved character mm-hmm. in his movies. I guess. He loves doing that. Yeah. Well, Look he... At, he, there was Wash in uh, Serenity. There was Agent Coulson in uh, The Avengers. Uh, he just, he loves to do it. Well, he's he did it again. And uh, Han Solo is dead. Um, now, I, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm glad they had the balls to do that. To be honest with you, like, I, I don't know that I would have been disappointed if sort of none of the main characters had been killed. But I'm just glad that they didn't shy away from doing that sort of thing in this movie. Yeah. 
That and when uh, when Ray and Han Solo were so simpatico about the uh, about the Millennium Falcon and how it should be fixed, like they were just they were finishing each other's thoughts. They were having the same ideas on things that needed to be fixed. And I'm like, you can't have two Han Solos no. on the Millennium Falcon. And you can't do it. She starts out the movie kind of as the new Luke Skywalker, but she finishes the movie sort of as the new Han Solo. That's one of the things I really liked about this movie is that she was was kind of the uh, a mashup of the two characters like uh, it what there wasn't a definitive uh Luke Skywalker versus Han Solo it was like sort of her who is sort of bridges both roles mm-hmm. but do you think there's any uh likelihood to the theory that a lot of people have put out there that she's related to Luke in some way daughter or maybe uh niece or something my like- wife posed that thought Mm -hmm. she's like well she's got to be related to somebody because that's it it just it makes sense well who is she related to well we haven't seen luke in a while yeah she's probably related to luke yeah see i think that makes a lot of sense and i wouldn't be surprised at all if they were going there and i i don't think i would be upset by that either but one of the and and star wars is about families a lot right like everyone's related to somebody and it's always been that way you got to stand up to your father is is the whole thing it kind of is yeah that's true um but i also would be in no way be disappointed if she was not related to anyone she's just a new character who's gotten mixed up in this world amongst all these all these you know people but she doesn't have to be related to Luke, does she? Uh, I think no, it'll be okay she's if gotta, she does. I think she's going to be is. related to somebody because she, uh, her past is a mystery. Her mother left her on this planet, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and she's, I don't know, she's got to be related to somebody. And I don't think she's related to Jar Jar. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't think he exists in this uh, particular timeline. Um, Maybe Jabba. I don't know. Jabba but- the Hutt. I, I, I don't know if she has to be related to someone. That's the thing. Like she, to me, if she is a new character who is an amazing character, who happens to be an extremely strong force user, who, you know, maybe she, and who didn't realize it for a long time, um, that's okay with me. And if she's related to Luke, I think that's okay too. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. But uh, all I can say right now is that the character of Ray was fantastic and I I just can't wait to sort of see what she does in episode eight and nine and, and whatever else we get. So that was really good. Um, let me talk for a second about my one, really just one sort of problem with the movie. And as I said off the top, what? Well, I was going to say it's probably the same one I have. Okay, well, my my problem is, and I feel like it's minor, but my problem is just that the movie felt a little rushed at the end. It was paced a little bit off. I felt like the be- the first half or even two thirds took a long time. We got a lot of information about Ray on her desert planet, and you know what was going on with Finn uh, deserting the um, not the Empire. What are they called now? The Second Order. Uh, you know, his desertion story and, you know, a lot of sort of information leading up to the last third of the movie, which essentially was the battle uh, to take down the Starkiller base. It's not a Death Star, it's Starkiller. No, it's a friggin' planet that they converted into a mega weapon. Yeah, it's a whole planet. So that was amazing. Um, But then 
I felt like that was rushed. It felt like it was really easy for the one team to get in to take down the shields and then get out again. And the trench run that we had in this film, um, which was, you know, led by Poe, played by Oscar Isaac, who we haven't even mentioned, who was amazing. I love Oscar Isaac. You know, that felt like sort of truncated and a little bit in and out too quickly and fast. And even at one point towards the end of the movie, someone says, you know, in the uh they they, they're ready to fire in 15 minutes a lot of stuff happens in that 15 minutes right (laughs) well we had half an hour in the first movie in in uh, a new hope i know half hour to get all you know they could get across the friggin' galaxy in 14 and a half seconds but it takes them a half hour to get around a planet i know but the planet's in the way we gotta just go around it here it's gonna take 30 minutes but think about think about return of the jedi and where you have you have luke doing his thing with Vader and the Emperor. You've got Han and the team down on Endor taking the shields down. And then you've got the the fighters, the fighter pilots in space, like attacking yeah, the, space the Death battle. Star, the space battle. You've got all three of those things, but all three of them felt equally important. In this, I feel like the battle on the planet, the lightsaber fight between Rey, Finn, and Kylo Ren was extremely important. Um... But they were also the ones who, you know, they had to rescue Ray first from the the base, right? Yeah. And and that sort of felt a little bit short to me. And then the space battle felt really secondary to me. I don't think this movie balanced sort of the three different things as well as, say, Return of the Jedi did. And that's what I mean about pacing. It was just like it was a little bit off where the first half of the movie took a long time and then all this stuff felt really compressed at the end. Having said that, I didn't really care because it was, I felt none of that. It was still I, I really great. I completely did not uh, feel that way at all. I thought the pacing was really well done I, throughout the entire movie. I think the ending was, uh, uh, was you know, you have to have a big battle. You have to have a super weapon. You yeah. have to have a big battle. Yep. Uh, and you have to have a personal battle. So, and I, I think we got all of that. I just don't think the... I just don't think enough time was given to each each of those things. The personal battle was was much more important in my opinion or or came across as more important whether it was. And maybe it is. Like I mean that's the character thing right there, right? And I thought that part of it was fantastic. Um but the space battle was a little bit a little bit uh not weak but sort of shortened as it's sort of tacked in a little bit, but I right. still loved it. Come on. Like it's a space and, battle with X-wings and whatever. I, I you'd think that the uh, the Empire would learn their lesson. You build a super weapon, you get one shot with that super weapon before the rebels blow it up. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and it has one weakness and it's kind of the same weakness. <laughs> well, this one it wasn't really a weakness. I mean they really had to go to town in this friggin' spot to in order to uh to get it to blow up. But right? it was still fly into the thing, shoot the one part that makes the whole thing explode and fly out. Well, I think everything has that, uh, you know, that one part. Maybe. I know I have that one part. You fly in, you take a shot at it, I'm going down. You are going down, yeah. Yeah. Um, what was your weakness with the film? Oh, sorry. Mine's a little minor compared to uh, the pacing of the story. Uh, my one weakness, my biggest problem with the film was that after 40 years, you think Han Solo would figure out how awesome a weapon Chewie has in that friggin' crossbow laser. Bowcaster. The bowcaster. Yes. You think he would know that that this is an awesome weapon and he wouldn't just be discovering how cool it is now. 
Yeah, okay, maybe. But Chewie doesn't let anyone else try that thing, I guess. But it's been 40 friggin' years. 30. Like, whatever. It's <laughs> yeah. been 30 years since the last movie. Chewbacca was with him for a while before that. So I figured that they've been together for quite a quite a damn time. They're like the Brokeback broke Mountain guys. They can't quit each other. You'd think he would know that the bowcaster is freaking awesome. Yeah, see, that didn't even occur to me. Like, it's just, he doesn't get to use it. He has his own blaster. Like, why is he going to use Chewie's weapon when he has his own? Yeah, but... Why? How, how is he figuring it out now? Here's where I thought you were going to go. And this is a criticism that a lot of people have lobbed at this movie. And it's that the lightsaber seemed like it was too easy to use. Because Finn picks up the lightsaber and has the uh, the just awesome moment of standing with it upside beside his face and turning it on. Love that. Yep. But then he actually engages in a lightsaber battle with Kylo Ren, who is a Jedi, and who's supposed to be trained with the use of a lightsaber. Finn, yes, he may have some military training. He was a stormtrooper. He knows how to handle weapons, things like that. But, and he did get his ass kicked, and I'm okay with that. But the very idea that he can use a lightsaber in any way effectively, I think is a little bit in contrast with what we know from the original trilogy, where, you know, Luke, he really has to learn how to use this weapon. In the hands of a Luddite, it's very dangerous. You'll cut your own arm off, like in the first first thing you do. So here's, you know, I thought that that occurred to me that uh, you know why is Finn using a lightsaber? And uh, my only thought is that uh, that Finn and Ray are uh, Luke's twin children. <laughs> twin. That's the well. I mean, Luke and Leia were twins. Yes. So you know, twins runs in their family. You know, and uh, in the Star Wars books, which I'm now going to spoil, Luke and Leia have twins, and they become Jedi. Han and Leia? Yes, Han and Leia, yes. Luke and Leia don't have twins. No. Han and Leia have twins, and they become Jedi at the hands of of Luke. So if if Rey is Luke's daughter, then Finn is Luke's son. We don't know his background either, right? He was taken from his parents at a very early age. At the risk of of being controversial, Jason, is it a little much to ask that one twin is black and one is not? How, do, how, yeah, probably. how does that factor? No, they're not twins. I'm just joking around. Okay, but I good. think that he has a forced <laughs> background as well. We don't know their backgrounds yet. No, here's the thing. You could be right. I don't think Finn has a force background. I don't think Finn is going to end up being a force user in any way. I think he just has a military background because we know he was chosen at birth to be a stormtrooper. This is how they're doing it now. They're not cloning them. They're choosing babies, raising them from day one. They don't even give them names. They give them numbers and raising them to be fighters, to be uh, you know stormtroopers. And so he has a lot of training with weapons probably including blunt swords and things like that, or maybe not swords, but remember there was a stormtrooper who used some sort of device against the lightsaber when... um, It was Finn. It was a Finn, yeah. It was Finn that fought him, yeah. So let's say Finn has training with that thing. It's similar to a lightsaber, right? And so when he picks up an actual lightsaber, he's like, okay... This is dangerous, but I think I got this. And then he gets his ass kicked by Kylo Ren because Kylo Ren is a Jedi Force user. It made sense to me. I was okay with that. Um, Luke, I mean, uh, Han Solo used a lightsaber in uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back to cut, to o- cut open the to cut open the Tauntaun. So, yeah. you know, what? Uh, 
originally a lot of people thought that in order to even use a lightsaber, you had to be strong in the force. Like to just turn it on. Yeah. Right. But, you know, now this leads me to believe that basically anybody can just turn it on. No. But, uh, you know, a lot of people were thinking, or a lot of my friends were thinking, because, you know, back when Empire Strikes came came out, there was no uh, internet. There was no Reddit or blogs or bliggity blogs or facey pages or anything like that. 1983, baby. basically you and your buddies talking about Star Wars. Or, sorry, 1980 for Empire, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, we were thinking, you know, what if, uh, what if Han Solo is uh, strong in the Force as well? Because if you need to, if you need to be a, a Jedi or strong in the Force in order to use a lightsaber, and he used a lightsaber, saber, ergo, ipso facto, he's a, he's a Jedi. <laughs> That's not the his case. own way. No, it's not the case. No. So anyone can turn a lightsaber on. I think with a little bit of training, you can you can wield it without hurting yourself. Not cut your foot off. Right. Um, and that's what Finn was doing when Ray picked it up. She had her own almost identical scene of lighting the lightsaber, like up straight up beside her face. Loved that. And then she turned out to be rather proficient with it. But we know that Ray is a budding Jedi, budding force user. And I think potentially an extremely powerful one. Well, that's what I, that's how, that's how I feel about Finn. No, I don't see it at all in Finn. I, do. I don't. I, I, I think the metachlorian count in Finn is super high. Can you never talk about those again? <laughs> We're trying to pretend those sequels don't, those prequels don't exist, Jason. I don't know. You mentioned them first. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. You said it's been so many years since the the the. Oh. the Prequel trilogy came out, and I'm like, okay, we're opening up, opening up that can of worms. No, we're not. Metachlorians, midichlorians, whatever they are, shall right, never but be. Remind me later, we got to talk about Jar Jar. No, I don't want to talk about Jar Jar. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I just think the the when Ray was using the lightsaber, it was amazing. My favorite scene in the movie, my favorite scene in the movie, and it it's it's just on good on so many levels is when the lightsaber was stuck in the snow and both people there wanted to use the force to bring it to their hand and you could totally see it coming like you knew that lightsaber was going to go to ray but actually watching it fly past adam driver and go into her hand was one of the greatest things i've ever seen and um you know, I'm not afraid to admit that there were multiple times in this movie where I teared up in excitement and joy, <laughs> and that was that was one of them. Awesome. Uh, it was good. It was so good. And, you know, it was... This whole movie was very nostalgic, and it told a story almost the same as A New Hope, Episode 4, uh, but it was done in such a good way, and it was it was sort of parallel to it without being silly that um i think it really worked but were you bothered at all by the nostalgia level in this movie not even a little bit not even a little bit yeah no no neither was i i i wasn't worried about it one bit so star wars the force awakens is amazing the force awoke in daisy ridley in her character that's what the title means uh and i am looking for time to go see it again if we weren't recording tonight, there's a good chance I'd be watching it right now. I definitely want to go see it again. So does my wife. We were uh, uh, very happy to see it. And we, as soon as we left the theater, uh, we were saying, well, let's go back. We, we got to go back. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm not done watching that movie yet. No. And it's been a 
very, very long time since I've wanted to see a movie more than once in the theater. Yeah, I can't think of another movie that I've really wanted to go see more than once in the theater. Since, I mean, back when I was a teenager, it happened all the time, but that's because I was a teenager. I'm like, I want to go see movies as much as I can, but... Uh, this, this Star Wars movie is, is one that I want to see. Um, I don't know what else I, I can say about it. Uh, what about Luke, the big reveal of Luke at the end? How fucking, perfect. how fucking, fucking perfect majestic did he look on that? I was worried about Mark Hamill showing up in this movie. I'm like, oh my God, what's going to happen with Mark Hamill? How's he going to look? How are they going to friggin' pass that off? I was worried about, uh, uh, Carrie Fisher showing up and I was worried about Mark Hamill showing up because they've changed so much in the last 30 years. Yeah. Uh, as have we all really. Hey, it happens to the best and, of us. Uh, so when Mark Hamill, the reveal of Mark Hamill at the end was fan-fucking-tastic. He's in his robes and his big bushy beard, and he's been sitting on this stupid island for God knows how long, uh, eating, I'm not even sure what, forced grubs, because, you know, what else can you eat on this island? There was nothing there. What a but, beautiful island, though, man. Oh, like, yeah, just gorgeous. unbelievable. I don't know how much of it was CG and how much of it was a real place, but... Whatever. It looked fan-freaking-tastic. I loved yeah. it. And what a perfect shot to end the film of just her wordlessly uh, reaching out with his lightsaber to give it back to him, and he turns around and looks amazing, and then the yeah. cut to black, you know? So good. Yeah. I'm so glad he had a big beard. Yeah, I think the beard suits that guy. Although they did a really good job of making him look good, because he looks a little rough in real life, Mark Hamill. Well, yeah, as do we all. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that's... Yeah, absolutely. That I mean, just everybody happens. looks a little rough. Even Harrison Ford was uh, looking a little worse for wear after so many years. Chewbacca, on the other hand, looked fantastic after 30 years. God, poor Chewie, eh? After all this, he has to witness his like best friend in the world get impaled and then fall off a, a very unsafe catwalk. Yeah. Poor well, Chewie. Now. Yeah. Um, but he he's he's gonna fly with Ray, right? He's still gonna be the co-pilot yeah. of the Millennium Falcon, and uh, first that's mate. it. Yeah. Oh, one more thing: the humor, the comedy in this movie was handled really, really well. It was. It wasn't stupid, like Jar Jar, you know, getting his tongue stuck on shit and things like that. It was, it was legitimately funny jokes. We don't want to take that ship; it's junk. We want to take that one. Oh, it blew up. We'll take the junk. It's the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> like, yeah. It what does, a piece of junk. Does that work because it's funny, or did that work because it's nostalgic for us? Uh, it's a little bit of both. I think it's a little bit of both, but I also don't care. It worked, and I was it was amazing. It was fantastic. It was good. How about all the cameos? Did you catch a lot of the cameos? Well, I do know that Simon Pegg was in the movie, or at least his voice was in the movie. He did the no, voice. No, he was in the suit, sort of. He was in that suit? He was in the suit. So he was the guy that was, that uh, Daisy was, or Ray was selling stuff to to get rations. That's right, the junk dealer. And then the one cameo that no one would know, unless you're super brilliant, is that the stormtrooper that she used the Jedi mind trick on, Daniel frickin' Craig. Daniel, Daniel Craig. I read that too. That was awesome. James I, I want to go back to see it just because of the cameos. Yeah, there was others too. Um, Carrie Fisher's daughter was in there. That's right. Uh, there was, uh, well, there were some of the obvious ones, the guy from Lost, not, he's not from Lost, he's from Heroes, but he was the pilot in Lost. Greg Grunberg, yeah, he yeah, was there. He, he has a few lines. He has a few lines, and then there was, uh, Miles from Lost was, uh, also in the movie. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, uh, these are J.J. Abrams guys, though, right? They're, they're- Well, that's, that's the thing, they're all buddies. buddies. yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and then there was, um, I also read that uh, Ewan McGregor came in to do one line. And it was it was a line delivered during Ray's kind of uh, uh, vision when she picks up Luke's yes. lightsaber for the first time. He was there, and apparently Frank Oz did a line. I mean, Frank Oz is dead, right? Yeah. So Yoda had a line um, in in that scene as well. So Yoda and Obi Wan because she was getting flashback of Luke's life. Uh, right, right, mostly right. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, mean, I don't know if we're going to have you uh, and McGregor. I mean, she didn't meet you and McGregor because, you know, uh, Obi-Wan's dead. Yeah, so that's right. Luke had to know him. Right, right, right. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, but the cameo was there. So um, yeah. that uh, that scene reminded me, of course, of the scene in Empire where Luke is on Dagobah and goes down into the tree, right? And he faces himself in uh, yeah. in Darth Vader. Kind of reminded me of that vision scene a little bit. But that's one part that I, I'm looking forward to seeing again because I feel like it kind of flashed by and I didn't really pick up on everything that was going on in that scene. Um, anyways, uh, boy, oh boy, what a movie. Star Wars, I feel really good about again. <laughs> yes, taking it out of the hands of George Lucas and putting it in the hands of J.J. Abrams. Smart, smart idea. It appears to have been a really good idea. So uh, I know everyone, hopefully everyone that listened to this has seen it, but uh, if not, go see it. <laughs> uh, otherwise, go see it again. I'm going to go see it again this week and uh, probably a third time. I just have to decide whether I need, I'm need. i going to take my kid or kids with me not my younger one she won't she won't make it through but my older daughter i think she might be able to do it we're gonna watch uh have you sat down with them and, and showed them star wars yep yeah okay. they've they've seen the original trilogy um but at home it's a little different right like my my younger daughter who's six if she's not into it she can just get up and leave and go do something else um you can't really do that in a movie theater as much i mean you could leave if you want but I don't support that. <laughs> um, if you want to go, go. Yeah, I'll, I'll meet you at home. <laughs> Here's the keys. Go sit in the car. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Anyways, my eight-year-old who's turning nine, um, I think she'd be much more into it. And she was more into the original trilogy at home anyways. So, all right, that's enough. Uh, Star Wars was fantastic. What are we going to do from here, Jason? I don't know when the next time we're gonna, going to podcast is, but we do have to read the latest Walking Dead novel and yep. talk about that. So let's let's tentatively plan to do that over the next few weeks and then do an episode in january how do you feel about that sure i sound no i i feel fine okay i feel fine thank you john lennon um uh but so we'll we will we will be doing that in the meantime everyone if you want to get in touch with us go to our website talkingdeadpodcast.com and click on send voicemail to record a message um, you can also send your emails to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. And since it is January 21st, I mean December 21st, as we are recording this, we are right into the holiday season. So Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy holidays. Um, if you are going to be doing some, let's say, Boxing Day shopping on Amazon, Make sure you click through our Amazon link. That would make us very, very happy. Amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com to head straight to the U.S. Amazon store. And that's going to do it. So until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.